Hello. Welcome to We're Only Human. I'm Tim John. This is season two of We're Only Human. This season is all about exploring who we are. And today's guest is someone I met her, oh my gosh, over a decade ago. Back when she lived in Chicago, we were both uh, running into each other at events, uh, Chicago technology events. The Chicago tech scene back then was very young, growing. A lot of us were out there networking and um, just building our network and getting to know each other and trying to help build the scene. She then got into photography, started her own photography business. She eventually moved to back to Michigan with her husband and they had children. And I, I would always kind of just dip into Allie's life through, through social media. And, you know, we'd stay in touch kind of long distance like that. And I was like, this is someone who has figured life out. So I wanted to understand more about how she does that, how she did that, how she continues to do that, and who she sees when she looks in the mirror. But first, we need to do a sound check. What did you have for breakfast this morning? I had yogurt with granola and fruit from Costco. Frozen fruit from Costco. It's the best. <laughs> I love that you said fruit from Costco, like not fruit from anywhere else. Is there something about the fruit from Costco as opposed to another grocery <laughs> chain? It's just this really good frozen fruit. And because in the winter, everything's terrible. You know, fruit is terrible and I like their frozen fruit. I'm just trying to bring a little joy to my winter day. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Today I'm joined by, <laughs> I was just about to say Ali Osmar. You are not Ali oh, Osmar. Oh yeah, Ciardo now. It's been that for a minute too. <laughs> Today I'm joined by Ali Ciardo, way more than a minute. Um, Ali is a daughter, a wife, mother, a sister, award-winning wedding portrait, and I wanted to just say lifestyle photographer. And you also teach at Michigan State University, which I have so many questions about. Um, but what I've thought about doing this season is like, am I like, that's kind of what um, I understand to be factual about who you are, which is good. But like in my own words, if someone were to ask me, like, who is Ali Ciardo? Like my impression is like you're a loving mother, a partner to your husband, a very successful business owner. You're someone that seems to be like myself that likes to sort of enjoy life to the fullest, whatever that means to each of us. Um, I feel like you're a giver and a helper. Like you brighten the lives of like the friends, family, and just everyone you meet around you. Um, and honestly, and I don't, uh, I'm trying to think of how this doesn't come across as weird, but I feel like you figured life out. Like as someone, <laughs> as someone who, you know, sort of like distantly watches your life, um, you know, we were just saying we haven't seen each other in person for over a decade, but like you have a, a beautiful family, you're renovating a house together with your partner who you have a, a seemingly great relationship with. Um, you, uh, you have the house, which is so much fun. You have a community in your, your area in Michigan. Um, and so, so I just think like, oh, she, she figured life out, but I'm curious if someone asked you the question, who are you? What would you say? Well, first of all, thank you for that introduction. It was wonderful. And I feel like I need you to like, you know, come into my home every day and be like, Ali Ciardo is. And I'll be like, thank you. <laughs> Thanks, Tim. Um, okay. So the thing that I think has been fun, I really do feel like I figured a lot out in terms of happiness and like defining my own success because I spent a lot of my 20s thinking that success was money and I just chased the money. And then when I had kids, I realized like, 
actually to me, success is freedom. It's freedom of time and freedom of figuring out, you know, like lifestyle freedom, figuring out how you want to spend your time and making that happen. And so I define myself. I mean, I still define myself a lot with my career. I really defined myself by my career when I was in my 20s. And then part of it was we know each other from when I lived in Chicago, which was what do we say? 11 years ago. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, I was like, I worked in PR at the time and I was all, I was just starting to get into photography and I was all about being defined by my career. I went to networking events and I was all about like who I worked for and what I did, started my first business. Everything was about networking with people who could help me grow my business. I, I joined, and I know you were in like with me, some of these networking entrepreneurial, young entrepreneur groups. I feel like now I can't even say I'm a young entrepreneur anymore. I'm like, no, just old <laughs> entrepreneur. Um, <laughs> and uh, so to answer your question, when people ask who I am, I think the great thing is that I surround myself with such a diverse group of people now that it really depends on who I'm with. And so if I were at a networking group, which I do a lot less of, especially um, in recent years with just like COVID having less of that happening, I would, of course, define myself. I would say I'm now I would say I'm a branding photographer and portrait photographer. And if I'm with um, people who work at Michigan State, where I teach in the in the advertising and public relations department, I would say I'm an instructor. And actually, hopefully, if COVID allows, I don't know when this is going out, but um, hopefully if COVID allows, I'll be teaching abroad this summer in Rome. So I'll be a, uh, an instructor in Rome, get to define myself as that for about five or six weeks. And that's going to be my world for that time. If I was surrounded by book club members, I'd be like, I'm Adrian's sister because she's in my book club too. <laughs> I'd be like my sister. Um, I'd be just like the other mom. We all talk about just like life and kids and no one really cares what the other people do for a living, which is really refreshing. I mean, we kind of know it. Like there's a lot of teachers and a lot of different um, professions in that in that world, but it doesn't really matter. And so I think it's nice to have that diversity because I did spend so much of my 20s just trying to be one thing that now I think it's really cool to surround myself. Oh, and also, also important of note, not really, um, when I, I joined a sailing club in our local town. So it's just sound like we have like one little lake and we go out on these little individual boats and we race. And in that case, I would be the one who oh. is in the water that falls over all the time. So that's my definition. They're like, <laughs> Allie, she's always falling off her boat. Like they don't know anything else about me, but like we like each other, we help each other out. And I'm the one who's always in last place because I fell over. So I just love not kind of like narrowing my my who I define myself as into one little bucket. I like that I have different groups of people. And I mean, I could just go on and on. Like I when I go to adult summer camp, I'm the one who like does flips off the water trampoline and likes to get lunch from the blob. And <laughs> when I'm out in the neighborhood, I'm the neighbor who likes to um, try to bring the neighbor neighborhood together and is like working on getting a community garden going. So yeah, I just like I mean, I just like to connect with people. That's kind of who I am at the end of the day. I love that answer. I I love the idea of being so multifaceted and how you just, I mean, because we are often like not different people to different communities, but we're different sides of ourselves. And I love that you just not only acknowledge that, because I feel like so many of us don't, but you like celebrate it. That's fantastic. I, okay, I have so many questions, but I just thought like everything you just described as someone who has kids too, and, and I, I kind of share that your your idea about like 
once you have kids, the idea of like success sort of changed for me too. Um, but everything you just described, how wonderful for your children to have a mother who is just so multifaceted and so dynamic and like showing, I'm just thinking of all the life experiences they will get. Um, I mean, I, I know you and you and your husband and the family, um, was it last summer you were going to go on like a week long sailing trip, but I know it ended abruptly. Um, but <laughs> yes. just that, that idea that like, Hey, we're going to go sailing, whatever degree of sailing that means to you, but how wonderful for your children. I love that. Yeah. Oh yeah. You gotta be flexible. So that, that story in short was that we took two, I think it was two weeks off that we were going to just like go sail Lake Michigan. We'd looked at all these other sailing families that lived on sailboats and it looked so cool. And we have this like old 1989 Catalina 30, which is like a 30 foot sailboat has, it kind of has like one bedroom It's enough sleeping areas for all of us. So there's a cabin that you can live in and hypothetically travel around the state. Like the glamorous version sounded like we travel around the state by water and we take two weeks slowly going from port to port and enjoying each town and it's going to be great and then like the very first day it was so wavy i got 10 minutes into it i'm sitting gripping white knuckled gripping the bow and i look at jeff and i go it turns out I don't like this <laughs> I was like <laughs> i don't want to do this and so and it wasn't like we still basically went to one port, like stayed at a marina, went swimming, had a good time, walked around. But then we ended up going back and the girls the whole way back were like, I don't like it. Like they just didn't love it. We didn't like the waves. And so we just had to change our view. And so we're like, you know what? We can, we put it on a, a mooring ball and we jump off the boat and we swim around and we go for day sails. And I'm cool with that. I think it's awesome. We get to enjoy Michigan. But yeah, like, you know what? Sometimes what you think is going to be the most amazing thing. And it looks so good on Instagram. Then when you go to live it, you're like, oh, it's not for me, actually. <laughs> it turns out. You you strike me. I just recently took that strength finder thing. I think it's Gallup, but I know it's popular uh -huh. among many different employers and, and throughout the business world. And I don't know your strengths, but you strike me as someone that might have achiever in there in terms of like you, because I know you were a cheerleader and I mean, you have a successful business. You mentioned your career in the in the your 20s. No, so, so not that you're someone that's like overdriven by achievement, but I imagine that like you probably like accomplishing things. I do too. When you turned back from that sailing trip, even though the whole family, all of you kind of agree, this is not for us. It turns out we're going to change our whole plan here. Did you have any sense of like, I didn't achieve that or I'm not going to Honestly, achieve that now? No, I mean, and there's always that hope, like, you know what, maybe someday we can do a different variation on this. But truly in the moment, I was like, you know what, when I was again, like in my 20s, I if I started a book and I hated it, I was like, well, I've already put time into this. I've got to finish this <laughs> terrible book. I've already put time into this thing. So then I got to a point where I was like, why? Why am I going to put more time into something that I don't enjoy? And so like, if I don't like a book, I don't finish it. And if I don't like a vacation that looked like a dream vacation, we're going to change plans. So we still took that time off. But instead of going from port to port with whiny children, like getting seasick over the edge of a boat on a wavy day, we just kind of like spent time on the beach. We ended up going home and like 
my daughter learned how to ride her bike that weekend or that week. And we would bike into town and enjoy our town. We just like kind of had a mix of Michigan and staycation. And so I'm now really big on experimentation. So I don't ever really feel like I failed. I feel like everything I do is an experiment anyway. And so it's more like, hypothesis, this will be fun. And then finding it was not, (laughs) it's okay, let's try something else. And then you come up with a new hypothesis or a new experiment and you give that a go and you just go with it. So no, I don't think I've ever felt like anything was a failure. I think it's all just been an experiment and you just have to like try it to see if it's going to work or not. I love that. I'm also, I share in the experimentation mindset. I think, I think life in general should be a series of experiments, just like you described. Absolutely. Yeah. So yeah, uh, we talked about, uh, I mentioned at the beginning, you're a award-winning photographer. You started the photography business many, many years ago, and you've built it up now to what I'd imagine is a large focus of your day-to-day. Um, 2020, as we all know now, was a year that none of us saw coming and, and the world just shut down. I understand you were doing weddings back then, primarily. What the hell happened then? I mean, that, <laughs> I mean, that took us all by surprise. But for you, I imagine that's some portion of your family's livelihood. What, what happened in your mind when that all shut down? I'm so glad you bring this up because so much, so much, of course, pain for everyone came out of 2020 and beyond um, still to this day. And so many little nuggets of like learning came out of it for me personally. And so going in, I think, okay, so when I was running my previous business, which was working with PR agencies, I'm going to like back you way up here into my whole life philosophy that I learned from this. Um, We were, we were like, that was the most financially successful business because we had multiple employees. We were on retainer with these big agencies, you know, cash in the big checks all the time. But then I also realized I didn't want to continue to like go out and do the, that kind of sales. Cause I didn't think I was great at that kind of like selling to those agencies to grow. Um, I didn't like getting those calls on the weekends with emergencies in from PR agencies, et cetera. And so I really didn't want to be on retainer with anybody. I wanted to have like individual contracts where I could take the contract and plan my year out like a good year in advance with booking weddings. But I could also have full control. If I wanted to take a month off, I could just not book that month and I could plan in advance and I could like have really solid control over my schedule. Um, It's a little harder because when you're on a retainer, you get that like consistent incoming money, but you're also tied to that company that is paying you. And so I chose, I was really happy. I didn't want to have employees anymore after having employees. I loved having them, but I didn't like the stress of making sure we were um, giving them like the experience and the time off and everything else was just very stressful to me and and all the the logistics of, of employees. And so I had built this very, you know, to me, like successful, great business in wedding photography. Um, and over the years I had, I was shooting a number of weddings and I had built up a team of contract associate photographers shooting weddings for me. So they weren't employees. They could choose to take any wedding or not based on if they were available. But I was in, I thought like a really good place financially with the business and I was happy, happy with what I was doing. Enter 2020. Um, (laughs) As someone who's always got like that little bit of competitive edge, as much as I try to step back and relax and take time off, you know, I still had that drive like, okay, I got to get this business, like make as much as I can. And so in 2020, all of a sudden, you know, 
almost every wedding I had was canceled. And I can't remember the exact final total. Weddings aren't my entire business, but I think probably like I probably lost $80,000 in bookings or $60,000 in in um, like events for that year. So it's like a pretty good chunk of money as wow. like for me. And yeah. Uh, not, yeah, like not a small amount of money to just have vanish from our overall family income. And so a couple things happened though. So on the one side as photographers, it was sort of that interesting mindset of like all of us were in the same boat and obviously it wasn't a great boat to be in because all of us were losing a ton of money. But there was this really great level of camaraderie that I hadn't felt since college when we were all broke in college and we're like, we're like, just like everyone's on the same level. There's no competition. It's just like great camaraderie. Um, but because I, I kind of felt like compelled. I'll get into, ask me later about like retirement savings because we're going to get into that. Um, I felt like compelled to really want to contribute a lot to our retirement savings. Jeff has a full-time job. So like I could have just been like, like whatever, let's, let's go with it. But I did end up, um, you know, offering different things in portraits that really did end up making up for it. Like I had a really busy fall doing things outside. I ended up um, emailing Michigan State and proposing a new class that I ended up teaching to now where I'm teaching and just putting a lot of effort into the classes that I taught to where I was actually offered like multiple new classes to teach to the point where that's like... (laughs) quite a lot of income. And in the end, I think it ended up being, we were only like five or $10,000 off in the end from the year before. And so I looked back at my year and I was like, Hmm, well, I was still pretty like overall happy. I mean, like asterisk, asterisk, happy with COVID. Like that wasn't great, but we ended up spending our summer going up north all the time, spending time at the beach, going sailing a lot more. Like I just had so much more family time. And the problem with weddings is that they're usually on the weekend. And even though I love them, that can be a lot of time away from your family. So I kind of looked back and I was like, that was actually kind of (laughs) great to not have weddings every weekend. Like, hmm, okay, I need to kind of design my life around this idea. And so between getting more classes at Michigan State, which kind of like made up for that income anyway, and then having that like realization that I really loved having more time to be with family, I decided to make the transition, which was hard because it was still like weddings are, I wouldn't say easy money, but like it's a really easy way to hit six figures as a photographer. And so um, walking away from that and moving toward branding photography was a big step. So I'm kind of in that transition right now, like giving myself this year to transition. And then another little idea. So experimentation, this is this is new and not anything yet. But um, some of my favorite brands, so branding photography is like helping usually small businesses with things like headshots or photos that they can use in social media, just like things that there's just so much use for imagery these days. Sure. And so some of my favorite previous clients had been um, women who were recently divorced, who wanted to redefine themselves, whether they were starting a business, using photos for dating profiles, whatever it was. And so I was like, I'm going to market divorce photography instead of wedding photography. (laughs) So I'm actually, um, I planned in the next coming, in the coming weeks, I have a shoot set up with some like local recently divorced women to do a day of shooting, like 
doing hair and makeup and getting them in the studio and taking these pictures for them just to kind of like market that as just a like an empowering um offering to them something completely different that nobody does. And because I have a PR background, I thought this is kind of a fun way to get some media around something like wedding photographer becomes divorce photographer. So we'll see how that goes. That'll have to be an update next year. But that's kind of like where I am with experimentation. Like it could totally flop, but as long as I learn from it and it's a fun experiment, I'm totally cool with trying it. This is what I think about when I at the beginning mentioned like you're someone who brightens and empowers the word you use. It's so true. Those around you, like, um, what a super beneficial and empowering service to those women. Like I, I can only imagine, I'm sure you have an idea of the impact you're making on them, but I can only imagine that they are going to have their lives changed because of what you're offering them. I mean, that's such a ginormous life event. And for you to sort of help them begin the next chapter in such a kind way, that's such yeah, a great I idea. Hope. I hope it works out. I hope the experiment succeeds. Yeah. I hope so. So I got a lot of positive feedback when I kind of put the idea out there looking for models. Um, and I like I'm personally I've been married for I don't know how many years now, 11. <laughs> and so I don't have personal experience going through divorce, but I do have friends who have and I have clients who have and it's been such a great experience for them. They've been my favorite clients. And so I was like, you know what, it's like such a it was such an empowering experience for them that I think to market it in that way could be really interesting. So I've gotten great feedback. I just had a meeting today with somebody who also like as a financial advisor, um, works with a lot of recently divorced women. And so we're just trying to figure it out and see, you know, cross marketing and, and just, just try it out. Cause you can't really, the only thing I can lose is a little bit of time doing this sample shoe and putting it out there. And if I get nothing, oh, well, you know, it's just a, a nice little experiment. Experiments. I love it. You, you mentioned that during 2020, all the photographers like yourself were in the same boat and you felt this camaraderie that you hadn't felt since college. Um, can you tell me about the the job you had in college that sort of introduced you to the entire idea of entrepreneurship? Hmm, interesting question. Well, I um, actually, I met Jeff, my husband in college. And so we were working at, it was called the DMAT studio at Michigan state, the digital media arts and technology lab. And so we kind of had this nice advantage of, um, like getting to know everyone in the college, all the instructor, professors, instructors, staff, faculty, and then actually, I think Jeff was the one who introduced me to entrepreneurship. So it just happened that I married him later, but he had a business in college. I did not. I thought I was going to go and just work in PR or advertising. And I did not think that I was qualified to run a business or ever would be. So he was the one who actually started a business in college designing websites for people. And then he told his college, like, actually master's advisor that he wanted to start a business after school and was told that was a bad idea, that he should not start a business, that he would fail <laughs> and that he should instead um, go get a job. So uh, yeah, that was like not, it was not on my radar. I always thought Jeff was going to be the one who was going to just be out there starting businesses and and running the show. And I was going to be like the, the safe health insurance um, <laughs> full-time employee person. So it actually, I just kind of fell into running my own business just by like the luck of having a connection to somebody and having like 
uh, having wine out one night and saying, it would be really cool to run my own business doing this. And then she came to me like a week or two later and said, I, I actually might have a client if you're serious, if you really want to start this. So I did not expect that I would be here, but I'm really glad I am. The problem is once I started running my own business, I never want to work for anybody ever again. So I like, I really like that I can start my day slow and have full control over my time. And, and like, for example, being asked to teach on contract potentially in Rome this summer, if um, the world allows us to go to Rome, I, I like that I have the flexibility to take that contract and go to Rome for five or six weeks because I can plan my own schedule and do things like that. I really hope that works out for you. What a fun opportunity. I know. I really hope so too. I'm trying to learn Italian like as quickly as I can. It's, oh, geez. <laughs> I can basically say like the, I can basically order from a restaurant and that's about it. <laughs> I can say like the cow is blue, you know? <laughs> All the important phrases. Yeah. <laughs> Spe- speaking of teaching, how long have you been teaching now? Has it been a decade? Okay. So I started probably teaching when I, uh, it's probably been about a decade, actually, if I think about it, roughly um, nine or 10 years, because I, um, when I worked in PR and had started my own business, I just went to the chair of the advertising department at Michigan State. And I said, hey, I would love to just be a guest speaker in a class. I think I have some things that would be really useful. I don't even know why I did this. I just was like, I think I, oh, I know why. Because I had an intern when I worked in PR, I had an intern who had gone to Michigan State and had learned just some great things, was a great intern. And then I was like, I'd love to guest speak and just help students, you know, be that great, like have that knowledge. And after we talked, he he invited me to come talk to him and he's like, put a syllabus together. And I was like, okay. So I ended up putting a syllabus together and I was asked to teach. And then we ended up writing a book together, like he and I wrote a book together on the topic. And so you just kind of never know what opportunities are going to come when you kind of raise your hand and volunteer to do things. I never, like everything, I just never would have expected that opportunity to come along, but it's been so much fun. And now hopefully it'll lead to, fingers crossed, some nice little travel this year. Yes. That's, it's kind of, Amazing in my eyes. You, we just talked about entrepreneurship that you sort of, you didn't plan to be an entrepreneur and, and start a business, let alone another business. And sort of, you know, a decade later, you are in love with having your own business and wouldn't change it. You didn't plan to necessarily become a teacher. And then again, a decade later, you've been teaching uh, who knows how many students at this point. Yeah. Um, those are two seemingly large pieces of your identity in your life now. Does it, have you ever kind of reflected on like, those are two pieces that are, are big pieces of, of the pie, but that I actually never even planned to exist? Uh, yeah, sometimes I think about that. Like, wow, if you would have asked me when I was in college where I would be, I would have definitely said, I want to be a high level person in an advertising agency in New York or something like that. And now if you ask me that, like if I want to be doing that, absolutely not. (laughs) (laughs) And part of it is also, um, I do want to get into this. Hopefully I'm not like taking over and steamrolling in a certain direction, but like in terms of, in terms of having that flexibility to take on different opportunities. Cause you know, I also always thought you had to have one set job. And when we first started loud pixel, our like PR market research company, when I was in my twenties, we, 
went to hire someone just part-time and I didn't think there would be anyone who wanted a part-time job because it was part-time. And I was like, doesn't everybody want full-time? Well, no, of course not. I wanted that because I was 24 years old and that's what I thought I needed. But so many people have different part-time jobs. So I ended, we got like 100 applications, ended up with the most amazing person who already had a part-time job. I was piecing together two part-time, like work from home, part-time flexible jobs. And in some ways, that's kind of where I'm at now, like doing photography, which is um, slower in the winter time. So I have a lot more time to teach and then ramps up, um, can ramp up a lot in the summer, really ramps up in the spring and fall. And so the schedule is actually great because they kind of complement each other really well. Um, but the other thing I want to get on is this kind of idea of success because some, so many people think of success as traditional success and financial success. And while, you know, it's obviously important to be able to pay our bills and meet our needs. I got really into, um, I don't want to say like really into the fire movement, the financial independence, retire early movement, but like into some of the concepts and specifically, do you know about, are you like, you must know about the idea, right? I'm, I'm surface level familiar with it. Okay. So the idea is like save as much as you can and invest as much as you can. And then you have the option to retire early. But then I came across, um, her name is Jessica from a blog called Fioneers, like fire pioneers. And she has this concept called coast fi, which is like, basically you put enough money into investment. Like you really prioritize, you, you want to kind of keep your expenses under control, put enough money into investment at a young age that you could in theory put no more money into your investment. Like you get to a certain number, which is a whole calculator where you could put no more money into your investments until you retire. And then still it would grow enough to be good to go when you retire. So hypothetically, once you hit that point, you could work a lot less. Like you could work just to cover your bills, but you don't have to keep investing. I hope this is all making sense. Am I, am I making sense so far? Okay. Yeah, yeah. So, so I'm really interested in this idea because depending on what our goals are, we're either there already, or if we want to retire a little bit earlier, have that option, you know, we'd want to keep stashing stuff away. But for me, I think the key to really like feeling like I've, you know, quote, figured it out and, and created a life I really love is that we've made a lot of decisions to really keep our spending under control and invest as much as we possibly can. And part of it's just working. Like we've always, Jeff and I have always taught at Michigan State on the side. And we always joked that we had essentially like a whole nother income between us because we just worked our butts off for so long doing that on the side. But Instead of like we bought our house 10 years ago and it was the cheapest house on the street. And, you know, we were just talking about we, of course, fixed it up. We've made a lot of um, improvements to it over the years, but always paying cash and always like like we actually paid off our mortgage just because it felt like the biggest stress relief for us. And it brought our costs down to where if we feel like we want to cut back and work less, it gives us the flexibility to do that. So I've been really into this whole concept and really inspired by this whole concept of just living below your means. And that doesn't mean you have to like eat beans and rice and live in a tiny house, but <laughs> it just means that you make a point to save a certain amount of money each year. And that gives you so much more freedom later on. So I think the thing I'm most grateful to, if I could go back and talk to my 20 something self, I would say thank you for making those decisions early on to pay off debt, to stay debt free, to buy that house at, you know, like buy my house in my 20s, knowing 
that that was where we were going to stay. And when we bought this house, we had friends over for the first time and they were like, yeah, it's okay. <laughs> I was like, oh, thanks. Like, you know, it was like a 1970s house that looked like a 1970s house. And we've like over 10 years changed every surface of it. Just like some ourselves, a lot outsourced to other people, always paying cash. And so I think you have to kind of like like when your income goes up, instead of saying, okay, now I can move into the big house um, in the whatever nice, like nice house in the nice neighborhood. Like I'm so happy that we found this neighborhood that we love with good public schools that cost nothing, you know, there's no like private school tuition. And so we have now no mortgage. We don't have to pay for school. We don't have to pay for childcare anymore because our kids are in school and like they come home. I do. I take a break and go get them. And then I have the flexibility for them to be home. So like after school. So I um, really recommend everyone check out Fioneers and just this whole concept of Coast Fi has made me really happy. Like I don't, it also makes me feel less jealous of people when I see people with giant houses and beautiful cars and beautiful vacations, I'm like, that's cool. Like, I think that's a beautiful thing for you, but I'm like really content. So I think that sometimes we think that um, drive and contentedness can't go together. Like if you're content, you don't have any drive, but you can be really content with the life you have. And I actually think it's like highly recommended. And then you can still go out there and have drive to like try new things and experiment. It actually gives you more flexibility to try new things because you're not so under the gun financially. I need to check that out. This is exactly what I mean by, I feel like you figured life out because one, this sounds like such a healthy, exciting, fruitful way to live, like what you've created here. And two, like you talked about you're a big believer in living, you know, below your means or at least at your means and like responsibly, which you're doing. But it's also like you have a sailboat, you know, like <laughs> you still have the life that you want to lead, you know, like I think that's so important to call out. Like you've created this great life that's also setting yourself up for the future, you know, both in terms of retirement and in your children, I'm sure, and all that. But you also like, it's not like you're living in a tiny house down by the river and, you know, <laughs> eating ramen or something like you're not, yeah. you know, you know what I mean? Like it's not that extreme side of like living under your means, which I sometimes but read yeah, about. But let me, let me speak to the sailboat. I think that's important to speak to too, because um, when we, well, let me go back to the story of like our very first car. When we moved out of Chicago, we had to get a car and we bought this like with cash. It was at the time like $10,000 Subaru Outback. I thought it was the ugliest car I'd ever seen. It had like rust <laughs> on it and it was very ugly. And a friend called me and the same day she had bought a brand new car. She just finished grad school and she just bought a brand new car. And I don't know. I don't know much about cars. I don't know what it costs, but I know like she bought it on a big loan. And she's like, I bought a car. It's this, this, this. Isn't that exciting? And I was like, cool. I bought a, a used Subaru Outback. And she's like, oh, well, I can't afford, or I can afford to have debt because I already have all this debt. So what's a little more? And you don't have any debt, so you don't want debt. And I was like, that doesn't make any sense. <laughs> and so, <laughs> so instead we drove this car that was like $10,000 was our only car that before having kids, we only had one car and we lived in a little tiny apartment that was like, bikeable and walkable to stuff. And we're in a small, a low cost of living area. These are all decisions that we made. And so then 
the sailboat. So I'll give you, it was like $25,000 that we bought with cash. So you would think, which is not cheap, but also not maybe what some people, like you can buy sailboats that are like $200,000. And so I would say it's the price of a car. Like it's it's the price of like maybe an average car. I don't really know what cars cost. Um, I don't know the average price of a car, but we usually buy, typically buy used cars. Anyway, so the money we saved on the car, we were able to put into like this old used sailboat. And instead of buying a new one that was $100,000 or more, it was a 1989 Catalina 30 in really good shape. And now we keep it on a mooring ball that's $500 a year to just float in the middle of the lake instead Whoa. of spending like two to $3,000 a year to put it in a marina. And actually that ended up being great because now because it's in the middle of the lake we can all jump off the boat and swim off the boat and have this amazing like peaceful view and watch the fireworks on 4th of July from the boat so it ended up being great and so even though that is a sailboat is a luxury item I won't kid myself Um, but we tried to like find we kind of tried to like hack our way into doing it um, in a slightly less expensive way but I will not try to pretend that boats are cheap because they literally are like money pits and you just constantly are like oh that broke okay great (laughs) but um but yeah it's it's probably like one of the cheaper boats that you would see at the marina that were that were near so yeah it's a it's a luxury item and i i don't i'm not trying to call out like oh you know you're you're preaching living below your means you have a sailboat i to me it's the opposite like sure i guess a sailboat is a luxury item but i i love that you like it, it is but it's not in this sense you know what i mean like you've shown how you can create this life where you can have a sailboat, you know, it's not a $200,000 yacht, but it's honestly, I think this is the better sailboat. Like you've just described briefly here, all these memories that you have with this sailboat that you, I, you would have memories with a $200,000 yacht, but I think they'd be very different <laughs> memories. Sure, like, right? You know, like, more stressful. I, yeah. Like how fantastic is that? You know, like, so sure, I guess it's a luxury item, but I, I love that you, I don't know how to describe it. Like you've created a life where, and you kind of, you're sort of teaching me and, and everyone else here that like you can have a life where you have a sailboat without having a $200,000 yacht. Yeah. It's just like, it's just choices. So, you know, we bought the $10,000 car and we bought our house for less than $200,000 because we live in a really cheap area. That was before the housing market went crazy in the last few years. So obviously that's hard. That's going to be harder for people now, but yeah. um it was still prioritizing that instead of buying the bigger house or buying the nicer car, we, we just like divvied our money in different ways and made that a priority instead. So I don't regret that at all. And so it does feel, it does feel very luxurious when I like hang my hammock on my sailboat or jump off. And I'm like, like the view is a million dollar view, no matter what boat you're on, you know, you're like, this is beautiful. (laughs) So it's, it's been pretty cool. Did you ever like, I, I asked before about like, did you ever see yourself in entrepreneurship? Did you ever see you teaching like these are all unexpected things? But did you ever not only see yourself as a sailboat owner, but uh, sailing is like a part of your life now. Like that's such a, you know, you mentioned earlier that you're the one that's sailing and falling off the boat in the sailing club. Like, did you ever see that coming? Like how, how does, how does sailing or, or I guess more, what role does sailing play in your life? Like that's such a unique 
I want to call it a hobby, but I, I think activity is probably a better word like for it. Lifestyle. Yeah. Lifestyle. It really yeah. feels like lifestyle because you have to like commit to wanting to do that. Well, it started because I remember having little itty bitty girls, like a one-year-old and a three-year-old at the time. And it was winter. And in the Midwest, the dead of winter, you're just like, oh, it's winter. Let's dream of other things. <laughs> yes. And we were at like the Children's Museum and... I think my sister was with us and we were just talking about like, wouldn't it be great someday to have a sailboat and go and like either or, or rent a sailboat in the British Virgin Islands, which that alone is like four to $5,000 a week. I think, I don't know. I've never done it, but um, somehow in that conversation, it came up, you're like, Oh, we'll do that someday. And I think my sister was like, well, like, why don't you look into it now? Like, what's to stop you? And I was like, oh, well, we have a one-year-old and a three-year-old. First of all, who would do that? That's crazy. But then we actually started talking about it and we're like, well, let's look and see. Let's see what we can do. And the first year, they were the girls were little. We were in a marina. It had a pool. So if we weren't able to take them out, we would just go swimming or we'd do little sales, like put the pack and play and put them down below with toys and just be like, hey, cool, you good? Um, so it was just this like realization this one day where in having a conversation about dreaming, we were like, but could we just do that now? Maybe we could. And, and then it was just a matter of running the numbers and figuring out because like I told you, we don't like debt. And so we wanted to make sure we were going to do it with cash. And um, as long as we could make it work, we were like, okay, <laughs> let's give it a go. So it just kind of came out of like a dream that we were like, well, why does it have to only be a dream? Like, can it just be a thing that we actually make happen? Oh, I love that. Is it? That's such a great way to describe, I think, what you've done here. You've turned so many dreams into reality. So I have to ask then, as someone who has transformed all these dreams into reality, are there any dreams outstanding that you, I don't know, either are going to turn to reality or that you've yet been able to, maybe unable to turn to reality? Oh, um, Like what I I'm thinking here like is like as someone that, if you're a dreamer that is capable of creating reality out of dreams... Do you stop dreaming or do you just always start turning dreams into reality? You know what I mean? Yeah. Okay. I'll try to answer that question. I don't know if <laughs> Sorry, I'll it's be a big good question. at it. Because, <laughs> um, you know, we talked about like the contentedness, like once you get to a point where you're con content, that doesn't mean that you're not like, that you're not dreaming anymore. And so mm. for me, it's, I'm a creative person. I have to have creativity in my life. And so part of it with weddings was it's a, it's a very creative thing to do. You're constantly challenged with these like think quickly kind of situations. But I was feeling pretty confident about weddings. Like I wasn't nervous about weddings anymore. And I kind of like things that make me nervous. And so I think this like transitioning out of weddings and more into branding and potentially divorce photography, it makes me like nervous enough that it gives me that excitement. And so, so luckily within, within the scope of photography, I can change what I'm doing. So I like, I could do what I'm doing forever in, in terms of just photography and teaching, but I want to change up how I do it. So I might find in five years that I want to be like a pet photographer or something. And just, I have to keep it changing. And I have to, my way of growing is taking on new challenges that like challenge me, make me feel nervous. And so um, within that scope, I, I do want to keep growing and learning and changing. And then within teaching, 
It's taking on new classes. It's opportunities to teach in a different country. Um, we teach in English. It's it's Michigan State students, so luckily I don't have to teach in Italian. But <laughs> well, <that's good. laughs> you know, going to yeah, I would not succeed. But going to another country where I could like teach out in because um, I'm it's branding related and social media related and and teaching some photography where I can like go into the streets, these beautiful little like side streets of Rome and teach photography there, teach students these things, and so it's taking what I'm already doing and finding ways to make it different and continuing to do experiments. Cause I would definitely get bored if I just continued to run the same for, I, I like to build systems. And if I just use the same system and the same formula each time, I would get pretty bored. So when I look at like running retirement numbers or we could retire at this age or the whole like financial independence thing, when I talk to Jeff about that, I'm like, he's like, so when do you want to like, work part-time or, or quit or whatever. I'm like, Oh no, I don't want to do that. I want to keep working exactly as much as I like, I like what I'm doing. I want more weekends back, but, um, no, I just want, I want to have that as a buffer to allow me to have the option to try new things and not be nervous about, you know, losing some income for a year. If I make, if I make a transition or take time to travel or something like that. So, um, so I don't know if that answers your question, but it's sort of a different place to be because it's not that I'm, I feel like there isn't one big goal that I now feel like I need to reach. Like if you asked me in my twenties, I'd be like, well, I need to like, um, I need to have a bazillion followers who admire me and want to buy things from me and blah, blah, blah. And now I'm like, no, that sounds terrible. <laughs> I don't want that. I just want, um, I want to have enough of an audience locally that I can like sell the services that I have and build some really cool friendships and relationships and run some cool experiments. But I think it's not that I like, it's not that my dreams are low. It's just that like, True. I'm really happy doing what I'm doing. And I think I've found a good place where I'm trying not to, like, I'm trying to keep myself in check. Like, sure, I could desire to move into like a gigantic house, but now I see these gigantic houses and I'm like, that's a lot to clean. <laughs> I'm just really happy with my little eight by eight office that I can make my own and just kind of make it work. Not even make it work, but like it truly enjoy it. Absolutely. There's something to, I don't know if it's, it's, um, age, like as we grow older or if it's having children, I mean, you and I are the same age and we, we both have children. So I don't know which of those caused this change of perspective for, for both of us. But I mean, I, I share that. Like, I feel like when I was in my twenties or much younger, I was more, not career driven, but like this idea of like, there's that one main goal we're going after and it's generally money related or fame related. And now yeah. it's like, you know, like you said, it's, it's the experiences, it's the time with the children, it's time. The, the life mm -hmm. we share together. Yeah. The time, the freedom. The, the time. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, I don't, I don't know if that's age or, you know, I don't I know. I think it's both. both. Cause it definitely, it definitely made, I started to tr transition when I had my daughter um, into thinking like, oh wow, freedom of time is way more valuable. But yeah, I think it's also just get older and you like care less what people th think about you. True. Um, but I was just reading a book and it was like targeted at people who want to be entrepreneurs and this whole pep talk of like, don't you want, this is why I keep going back to like the big, don't you want the big, you can have that big house. You can have that Prada purse. And I was like, ew, <laughs> I don't want any of that. <laughs> I want to buy things. I love, like, I also got really into, um, just like, um, 
environmental being just like conscious of environment and and creating waste and so i love buying i feel like it's like a fun hobby to buy things secondhand when i can I'm like yes i did it and like just I enjoy that. And so if your if your priorities are to buy a Prada purse, I'm not I'm not judging you. I'm just telling you. I it's not my priority. And I think I would much rather have that time um, of my life or that like money to experiment on in some like fun new business experiment than to have the the material item in my life. Yes. And it might be age for me, but like I think it is age for me, but the older I get the more that cliche of like, you know, time is the one thing you can't get back just continues to become more and more apparent in my mind is like, I mean, I can try and earn more money. I can, I can build, you know, get a new job or, or build something and make more money or, you know, any of this or get a new house or whatever. But like the time I spend with my family and friends, there's only 24 hours in a day. Like I can't create more time. Yeah. And kids do take up a lot of time. So you're like, well, I don't want to be working every second that I'm not with them. I want some time for me too. So having flexibility does, does feel more important in that, in that way. So yeah, I agree. It's both. Yeah, absolutely. What, what role would you say um, your family plays in, in your life? Like, is it an inspirational role? Like they inspire me to, to live out the dreams? Is it, I want to create this for them type role or something else entirely? Huh. Interesting question. Well, I mean, it's a little bit inspirational going back to like when I had my first daughter, the actual prompt, I was doing this like journaling prompt through, uh, her name is Molly Mayhar. She runs Stratajoy, stratajoy.com. She had these little writing prompts just to kind of like, I don't even know, it's called joy juice. It's just like discovering joy in your everyday. And, um, it just happened the month before I had my daughter. The question was, how would you define success to your daughter if you had one. And I was like, oh, well, I'm going to have one. (laughs) So, and then I wrote down, that's when I wrote down freedom of time. For the first time I said freedom of time. I didn't know at the time just how much time children would take. Like not, that sounds wrong. You know, just like how no, um, I get it. Like how much time how much of your life does go into your children, especially um like 2020 when they were it actually worked out that they were home or sorry, that I was less busy because they were home doing no school, virtual school, all that. And I only had, I'm pretty proud of myself. I only had one like freak out where I was like, Jeff, it's just like, why am I ending up having to do all this stuff? I still have stuff to do. And then I was like, well, I kind of have less. So it actually kind of makes sense. But I was like, at the time, I think still defining, trying to only define myself as my job. And then I was like, okay, I have to let go of that. And, and like this season of my life, 2020 is also going to be more time. Like my kids are home and I can't just ignore them. I need to spend time with them. And so, um, yeah, t- taking that season and it is a short season. I'm I'm measuring them last night in the closet and I'm like, what? When did you get so big? This is crazy. So, um, so I don't know if I have a true answer for like, do they inspire me? I, I don't know. Um, I think certainly like wanting to be a role model for them is important to me, like to show them the life, to live the life that I want to live for myself and for them to show them that I don't have to, you know, I don't have to be defined by other people. Oh, that's such a powerful mantra. Thanks. <laughs> Thank you. I, I got to end on that note. Ali, Ali Ciarto, not Ali Osmar. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you so much for taking the time today. I so appreciate it. And I, 
Thank you for being you. You were such an inspiration, um, if not to your family, at the very least, to me and to so many others I know out there. Um, I just, I love what you're doing with life. Like, I really think you figured out life. And I say that in an uh, admiring way, not in a jealous way. Um, I I learn from you, I think, every day. And this conversation has just accelerated that. So long way of saying um, thank, thank you. Thank you, Tim. Yeah, it's so good to see you. Thank you so much for letting me, you know, blather on about all these things. It was a lot of fun. You can find all episodes of We're Only Human at we'reonlyhumanpodcast.com, on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. <laughs>